You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcoming Sydney Downey from Thrive Queens. Welcome to well, welcome to campus for today. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You should all look in on Instagram right now because I just, <laughs> after so much hassle, managed to actually do a post. We were just having a little bit of a laugh that oh, I work at a radio station, but I really don't like technology. <laughs> I was fighting with autocorrect. It's a great picture, though. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. it really is. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're here today to tell us about uh, the Thrive Initiative here at Queen's University. Uh, Tell us about what the Thrive Committee is and what is the Thrive Initiative? So I think I'll start by telling you about the initiative. Um, It's an initiative that's been in place on campus for four years now, um, going strong. It has gained a whole lot of momentum since our first year. Uh, It came out of um, a belief that we needed to approach wellness on campus differently than we had been in the past. Uh, So in the past, we've been really focusing on student mental health, which is definitely important and something that as a campus community, we should be focusing on. Uh, But we wanted to see the connection between student mental health and wellness in general, but then also looking at the wellness of all of the participants and community members on campus. So incorporating staff and faculty into Mm -hmm. that equation. So we were really looking at opportunities for initiatives and uh, steps towards um, strategies that would look to address a campus-wide community approach to wellness. So in my personal job at Queen's, I work in human resources and I work in a community of practice group that uh, specializes in different wellness initiatives on different campuses across Canada. Mm. And UBC had a campus wellness initiative uh, that was Thrive and we asked to incorporate and, uh, and it has been incorporated on other campuses across Canada as well. Uh, this initiative, um, basically the basic framework, and then we were able to creatively direct it from there. Uh, so our first approach in developing the Thrive Committee was to uh, reach out to anyone on campus, be it a student group, um, faculty or staff with wellness in their title, to really try to make connections with different uh, people who were doing different things on campus that had something to do with wellness. And when we were looking at Thrive and the initiative, we tried to focus our definition of wellness around one of five pillars. We described them as wellness, which would be stigma, stress, uh, sleep, as well as nutrition and uh, physical wellness. So um, the Thrive Committee originally was or made up of huge it was huge it was probably uh, 70 to 80 members that were originally pulled together from all these different and you can imagine queens is quite a decentralized campus structure uh initially we were looking there's so many things happening on campus there's so many great um things that are happening within faculties uh that are 
well, they're fabulous and we might be duplicating resources or there might be things that we could capitalize on and really uh, structure future wellness initiatives and strategies around. So I think it was trying to capitalize on the resources we already have, but also look at uh, looking for synergies to really uh, how can we work together to make a, um, a campus community that's well. So, okay. So it started out huge. Um, it became, it was a great for our first year because it really uh, opened up the door to brainstorming and coming up with great ideas and suggestions. Our first Thrive Week was 80 uh, different events on campus, upwards of 80, maybe more, all free mm-hmm. uh, and um, all donated and all across campus. So uh, it's it ended up being a lot of, there was so much enthusiasm for this event and we could see that but moving forward and we've had to look at our committee look look at our structure and see how we can move forward in a way that's uh, feasible for us and and um that's uh easier to actually accomplish things and considering we're we're kind of doing this at this stage kind of um uh, on the fly uh, mm-hmm. and something we're passionate about and we see the need to but uh, really we're looking as this a one this is the first step to a, potentially a framework or a strategy to uh, explore how we can really start to create resources for wellness on campus that are focused more campus-wide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, that the communi- the committee started out as a, a quite a large one with uh, roughly 80 different participants. Uh, who's on the committee right now, and what kinds of backgrounds and expertise does its membership carry? So currently our committee is actually now just made up of my human resources team. Mm-hmm. So we run out of, we're the return to work and accommodation services office mm-hmm. within uh, um, human resources. And we, there's a team of three of us. Uh, it's led by uh, Katrina McCann from our office. And uh, she's really the lead organizer in getting all the events in place and the rooms booked and all the facilitators in place. She's, she is the, the lead administrator and we're all very thankful for her. So we definitely Definitely um, really rely on her and she's currently actively reaching out to make partnerships on campus and she has created great partnerships with uh, Agnes Etherington, uh, the Athletics Recreation Center. They just partnered on the, the Wellness Fair today. Uh, we also have partnerships with Student Wellness Services and Four Directions um, and Hospitality Services always help us out as well. So, mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, you mentioned students uh, way up at the top too. Mm-hmm. How are students involved with this particular initiative? Um, what are they doing? So this is an area that I think we really need to work on mm-hmm. uh, definitely in our initial we're as people in human resources we don't get to work with students on a daily basis and I mm-hmm. uh, definitely our first year was a year where we really tried to uh, to reach out to student groups and get them more involved and um, we have found that we're we've yet to get that consistent membership we do get volunteers definitely mm-hmm. for our events um, and in our first year they actually we actually had student groups lead events like um, dance uh, the dance group led us through cardio funk and we had some really great creative uh, initiatives that came out of that 
Um, but we would, we are looking for ways to incorporate students more in the organization and really anyone who's interested to incorporate uh, in the organization of this event moving forward. Um, it's something that we're looking to create partnerships, create people, people who want to take ownership for an event. And we do see this on campus with um, some departments who create their own Thrive Week within their department, which is so amazing. And that's, that's what we're looking for, is for departments to figure out ways that they can thrive and that works for them. And similarly, with students, we're looking to figure out how to best reach these communities and these student groups and incorporate uh, activities that are going to be of interest to them. So we are, we definitely made partnerships with student wellness services and we're trying to, um, when currently we're launching, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we're launching a campus uh, wellness framework that looks at uh, incorporating full campus wide, which is really a positive next step from this uh, Thrive initiative. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, you also uh, talked about uh, um, certain pillars, and one of those, I believe, was stigma. I wonder uh, if you can flesh out for us what kinds of stigma still exist about mental health or even talking about mental health. And uh, with that in mind, um, how does Thrive challenge uh, stigma? Hmm. This is a challenging question. Uh, Stigma definitely still exists. Uh, In my daily work uh, with people who are taking sick leave, uh, we definitely uh, see that people are, I mean, stigma's there. They don't want to talk about needing resources and potentially until it's too late. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or even if they they are struggling with mental illness uh, and that's a struggle that is ongoing, uh, there still is connotation and a worry that that person might feel coming back into the workplace, how are they going to be treated differently? If it's something that's repeated, how like a, um, a mental illness that may have a reoccurrence, uh, definitely it's something, a struggle that's going to be ongoing and that might not be generally understood and that okay. has its own complications for sure um, with staff and well, employees returning to work. Um, I think that uh, how Thrive helps address uh, stigma is that it does help create a language and a space where talking about mental health may be more okay. Um, I've definitely seen in the years that we've worked with Thrive in some of the uh, workshops that we are offering, there is that uh, that shift in language and that shift in attendance um, to different events that are talking about Uh, terminology around mental health and terminology around mental fitness and uh, looking at how do we create, uh, similarly to physical fitness, uh, our um, ability to be, um, on a day-to-day basis, face what we need to face and uh, look at strategies for helping to um, build our build our ability to stay present and engaged in in uh, work on a daily basis. Oh, wonderful, thank you so much. Mm. Now uh, you have a huge list of events happening even just this week. Uh, can you tell our listeners about uh, the kind of events that are taking place and and if they miss the opportunity to sign up? Because <laughs> I looked at the events and some of them really like they were full. Yeah. So when, when there's another week coming up, we might be able to anticipate what. Kind 
kinds of events we might see. Yes, and I I do want to emphasize we are sorry that the events <laughs> filled up really quickly, and we we recognize that we did get a lot of feedback, um, and that's great. Uh, and I think that I mean my hope is that we'd be able to offer similar events all year. I mean I think what we're looking at is Thrive 365. We really want to move from one week to a year of thriving on campus and really look to incorporate this as part of our daily speech and our daily life on campus. But if you are looking for events that are still remaining this week, there's definitely a lot of really exciting ones um, still to come. And one of them that I know you don't need to sign up for, so it's free and you can just show up, is Make Your Own Cedar Scrub tomorrow popular very popular run by through four directions uh, you really get to make your own cedar body scrub um, also one which I'm not I'm kind of thinking might be full but I was very excited about uh, when I saw is that uh, Matt Barrett's from the grounds uh, crew is hosting how to make a seasonal planter on Friday so oh boy <laughs> so and he's very experienced he's a great one to learn from so if you wanted to make that holiday planter uh, he definitely has the all the equipment for you to do that uh, and I've heard great things about the Haunted Walk. Uh, Haunted Walk of Kingston has done a specific event for Queen's Campus where uh, they've structured stories. You're going to do a, a walk of Queen's and they've structured stories around buildings that are currently at Queen's and stories that they've uh, researched and incorporated from people who have come forward and spoken to them about different ghost experience on campus. So I've heard great things about that as well, and that's on, on Friday. Wonderful. Now, mm -hmm. I know I understand there are uh, other activities as well. Um, coloring for adults. Now, that seems rather fun. Why is an event like this good for mental health? This was actually an event that, uh, I mean, we were told that coloring builds mindfulness and presence. Um, what, around. Are those, what does mindfulness mean? Uh, well, good question. So I would define mindfulness as uh, being in the moment, being engaged, being uh, able to uh, really focus on what's right in front of you. Like and right be now. engaged. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I am. I'm really trying to focus. Um, <laughs> thank you. Tell us about coloring. <laughs> so I think that um, coloring was something we weren't sure if it was going to be really popular. Um, we ran at our first year and it was honestly 30 people in a small room where room wasn't big enough for the amount of people we wanted to color or who wanted to color um not we wanted to color uh but now this we've run it every year and this year we have it on uh, both main campus and west campus so i um, both had attendees so i think it's something that consistently is still some a uh, way for i mean people have their kids color to try to keep them engaged and quiet um, while they're making dinner or something at night and similarly to adults I think it just provides that break that mind break where you can focus and just uh, almost a meditation uh, mm -hmm. where you're just focusing on a, on a piece of paper and the colors that you're putting in it and you're making something pretty so, so there's something about that that's calming there must be. There's such a boom for different kinds of coloring books that are directed specifically towards adults now. It's not all just like 
uh, cutesy fairy tale stuff yes. anymore. Most, well, that's not to say that adults don't like yes. <laughs> coloring that stuff too, finding Dory stuff <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> I do have some coloring books in my office too. I try to use them as tools in my work for that the very reason, try to relax. And if people feel like they can't make eye contact while they're having conversations with me because we're talking about something tough, mm-hmm. I do have um, ways that I try to engage. And, and sometimes that, that helps with conversation as well. It's like walking and talking to somebody beside you so you don't actually have to make that eye contact when you're talking about something that can be challenging. So Wow, what a fascinating and really... Mm-hmm. Really great approach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anything that works. <laughs> I think I might have to get a coloring mm-hmm. book. <laughs> Everybody here gets a coloring <laughs> book. Um, now, also, uh, there's the take a pause activity, oh, yeah. pause with P A W S. Mm-hmm. So, tell it's us a favorite. We've got three um, puppies that come on campus and uh, are there to uh, cuddle and visit with and. Um, I, I just find animals are so amazing and such a great way to build compassion and connection uh, with um, many people. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's easier for people to connect with them than other adults. So, yes, there are three dogs that were on campus on Monday. And they, these dogs are ones that are used with um, definitely with students around exam time as well on campus. Okay. Um, so they do come on campus at other times as well. They're very familiar with the environment. And again, we had a believe there was a wait list for take a pause so definitely one that was high in high demand <laughs> want to play with the puppy yes and hug yeah oh yeah they're fat the Who puppies are fabulous hug a puppy yeah well and they're just yeah they're great um really gentle uh, dogs so mm-hmm. well i often say to my partner can we have a dog because we're not we're not well i'm 43 years old but we're yes. not grown up enough <laughs> Well, there are a lot of responsibility, right? They are. Boy, oh boy, just anytime I'm around uh, somebody else's dog or you see see a puppy and it's just like, oh, wow, you make me so happy. You just make me smile. Mm. I don't know. There's something about little dogs or dogs in general that just... I, I think don't know. that there's it brings a smile to yeah. Your face. Well, there's that um, very innocent level of engagement with an animal that you just like the judgment isn't there, and I think that that that's just really freeing and probably a really lo- like a lovely loving connection. It's hmm. it's like. But then I go home to my cats and they judge hard. Yeah, I think there's harshly. a difference. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a difference in the uh, facial expressions of attitude with cats for sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and um, now, there are there other exercise and crafting events you'd also like to be able to emphasize? Oh, yes. Uh, well, today, um, I mean, coming up, I am leading. Um, today, we had a great button making workshop, which I took part in, which I really enjoyed, um, that was run through the chaplain's office. Uh, tomorrow, I'm actually leading a workshop called Knit This, which um, I'm an avid knitter. I love knitting. Um, Me? Oh, do you? <laughs> well, you should check it out. Uh, it's at the Banry Center, and we're we are we bringing I'm bringing some needles for people who've never knit before, and some yarn. So if you're interested in learning, I can help you set you up. But um, also, if you've got a project and you just like to chat with other people while you're working on one yourself, which um, I I also I enjoy, uh, this is something that uh, I was passionate about. So I put this one on the schedule. Um, and it's something that we've tried to create a knitting group on campus, actually.
actually that continues. So similar to what I said about 365, my interest is to try and create communities on campus and um, knitting is something definitely I'm passionate about. Wonderful. And how about uh, the sleep workshops? Do we all get to go have naps? Oh, sleep workshops. You know what? That was a suggestion in our initial Thrive Committee was that we had napping pods for people on campus, which um, didn't happen. But it could happen. I'm not putting a kibosh on that. I was very encouraged. encouraged it was just finding the space for it. Um, but our sleeping workshops, we had one directed for students and one to staff. They were both full with wait lists. This mm-hmm. definitely is something like even in our uh, workshop on mental health, this was one of the lead sleep was what people identified as one of the lead reasons for stress and mm-hmm. um, issues to mental health. So this is a big issue for many people on campus mm-hmm. uh, and definitely their strategies that uh, explored in these workshops, but um, also bleed into some of the other workshops because of how, how much it, it affects uh, your general wellness um, I mean, sleep, sleep strategies are really, I think, really effective. And what kinds of uh, issues are people having, obviously, with not, mm-hmm. not getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. but uh, are they like, facing particular challenges or do they have particular habits that seem to be compromising the amount of sleep that they would normally be getting each night? I think most people are saying that um, their connection to electronic devices is probably the leading cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what research has indicated and what's been indicated in sleep workshops, but also um, through other books that I've read is that you should be shutting off two hours before bed Mm -hmm. uh, and there is benefit to... uh, to try and limit your time around any sort of blue light or anything that's going to um, cause your brain to start in that mm-hmm. constant chatter. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people find journaling helpful right before bed. Uh, I'm not a sleep expert. I'm just indicating what my own struggles through through sleep, but uh, also would look to trying to uh, create some sort of a mind moment for mindful breathing mm-hmm. or um, reflection that's not, that basically closes your day so that you're able then to to uh, create a space that is for sleeping and not for work or <laughs> mind chatter. That's that's great advice. Uh, when I was finishing my dissertation here at Queen's and had been involved in all kinds of uh, student governance and student clubs and things like that, plus I was teaching, plus I had a family, there was all, all of these things that I had to do and I'd be awake until mm. three or four o'clock in the morning on a regular basis and then coming to Queen's around nine or 10 in the morning. Wow. <coughs> But then I'd be running through uh, what I needed to do the next day or some big problem that I can't figure out, my dissertation, blah, 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 or Mm -hmm. this thing needs to be taken care of. And I just talked to a few people about, no, just, you know, get away from the devices. Don't bring your work computer into your Mm -hmm. bedroom. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, stop Mm -hmm. all of that again, as you said, before you go to sleep. Uh, I actually took up doing crosswords. Oh. So I just, I could focus on that and just have a nice relaxing puzzle before I go to bed so I could just switch all of that off and then I'd uh, put on my uh, news podcast that I like to listen to Mm, (laughs) as mm -hmm. I'm going to sleep. So so I just got into that routine and yeah, things got... uh, 
better for me in terms of the sleeping, but it's a matter of just being able to find that rhythm. I, I think guess. you have to find what works for you. And I, I know a strategy, um, <coughs> uh, one of my team who went to one of the sleep workshops this week uh, indicated that was interesting or helpful for her was um, in when you're journaling, making a list of what you feel like you have to do to try to get it all out before you go to sleep and not just make the list, but make an action point about what you're going to do mm-hmm. with that. So you're closing the loop on each individual task. So you're not taking that to bed and processing it. Um, you're actually uh, completing that, that loop. So the next day you can just proceed to the action points. Wonderful. All right. Now, before we uh, close up our show for today, before Portage comes on live next, um, I wonder if you can tell us where people on campus can find more information about the Thrive Initiative and uh, sign up for some of the events. Yes. Please check our website, which is www.queensu.ca slash thrive. And all the events are posted online. You can sign up for all events there. The calendar is is live and we will We'll start posting for next year's events in September, October next year. So uh, look for us again next year if you weren't able to get into that event that you wanted to this year. But we still have lots left this week. So please do check us out. For sure. And any words of wisdom for folks uh, uh, about self-care and mental health in general that you'd like to share? Uh, I would like to emphasize that mental fitness, I believe, is just as important as physical fitness. Many people value going to the gym and, and being physically fit and understand that uh, exercising a muscle is really important well similarly you want to exercise your mental health and um, I think mental fitness is something that is undervalued Mm. and that we do want to uh, take time to do that as well and so the strategies that you can learn through our Thrive Week are some of them and everybody's got to find out what works for them but I think it's important that we take the time to value our mental fitness Well thank you very much Sydney Downey for coming to campus Beat and CFRC today. Uh, Definitely check out the Thrive Initiative and all of the great events uh, at queensu.ca backslash or forward slash thrive. Yeah, one of the slashes. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget to you can help CFRC thrive by calling our uh, pledge line at 533-CFRC or donating online at cfrc.ca. Thank you very much for tuning in to uh, Campus Beat and uh, stay tuned because we have Portage coming up right away and uh, we're going to close things out with uh, some new stuff from the very awesome Canadian band Metric and uh, what a perfect song for thriving (laughs) this song is called Love You Back enjoy and we'll see you next week
Black, John McClurg, and so much more. Basement and your dancing shoes in support of CFRC for a 15th annual funding drive running November 2nd and November 9th. We'll see you at Local Love for Local Music, our open mic celebration November 9th.